Are we doing a cold opener or are we just going into the show? Well, the cold open, I already have it somewhere in here. Okay, that's I'll fine. make sure it's nothing okay. that embarrasses either of us, though. I didn't say anything that embarrasses me. The one thing I was going to say is last night I uh, I fainted. <laughs> I think I fainted. I don't know. I kind of blacked out a little bit for like five minutes last night. We were. I had my Joe Buck in Cabo moment. Um, we were at a Friendsgiving, and I really wasn't drinking much because I was planning on driving. And uh, a buddy of mine had a device that I inhaled very quickly, and about 15 minutes later, I was sitting at the table, plotting my escape from the world, and I thought to myself, you know what, I'll just get up, I'll go to the bathroom, I'll put some water on my face, and I'll be fine. So I get up, I'm walking to the bathroom, and... Two of my friend's wives were in the way of the bathroom, and while I was trying to get there, I just, like, lost consciousness and had no idea how to speak. My mouth was numb, my legs were numb, I, like, everything turned gray, and I somehow managed to utter, I gotta get to the bathroom, and they moved, and I walked into the bathroom, and they were, like, shrieking, I looked so horrible. Uh, My wife follows me into the bathroom, she's like, are you okay, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, and uh, I, like, collapsed. I collapsed in the bathroom, I'm on the ground. She hands me a washcloth, and, like, from there, I just, like, snapped right to it. I can't believe I, I like, woke up and was fine. Because I was sitting there, like, freaking out, like, oh, my God. I'm going to be feeling like this for, like, the next two, three hours. I can't even look at anybody, let alone speak. We're, we're just finishing eating this great meal, and, like, I am a vegetable. What am I going to do? Uh, so I got through it. I lived. That is a very weird story. Um, You're like the Undertaker at the end, though. Like, you got hit with this steel chair, and then you just pop back up because of a wash. Pop right right back up. I don't think anybody, like, believed me that I was like, no, really, I'm fine because I was in grave shape. I I was bad. Like, I can't even imagine what I looked like to people. My wife was like, you were literally, like, the whitest I've ever seen you. You could not have had less color in your face. Um, you, you, you were know, so when... white that you were listening to Crazy Town. Yes, exactly. I don't know what that means, but yes. You know, that's like Butterfly, Sugar, Baby from like the 90s or the late 2000s. How you get 2000s. so fly? Yeah. Isn't that sugar, butter... how you get so fly? Isn't that Crazy Town, Butterfly, whatever? Uh. Shut up and sit down. Back then, I was packed 10 to these sweet 16s got me back in. Steak, knife, tuck, napkin. Jack shots to the rim with some backspin. Make money stunt on them like whoa. Welcome to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Sunday. It is November 24th. I am your co-host, Jared Mintz, and joining me on this wonderful Sunday morning, my partner in rhyme, Joseph Nardone. Joe, how does it feel to be reporting a CODPAST with your boy, Jared? We are not starting over. We are reporting a CODPAST. I don't give a shit. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. We haven't done a podcast in months. We were on hiatus because, you know, Jared was off filming (laughs) cameos in Terminator movies, and I was trotting about the planet, scribbling about college basketball, and binge-watching television shows like a crazy person. Boo, but you don't even have HBO, so what are we even talking about here? You haven't seen Righteous Gemstones, you haven't seen Succession. Like, if you haven't seen those, if you can't recite misbehaving word for word, I don't know why you're even talking about TV. What's, like, the best thing you've watched? That's tough. Um, I've seen (laughs) Cardinal. It's on Hulu, but it's not a Hulu original. It's a Canadian TV show, which is very good. Castle Rock, also on Hulu, very good. Um, I've been... Um, you have Hulu, but you don't have HBO Go? Like, get somebody's well, password. I'll these, give you mine. Haven't I given you mine? Maybe. I don't have it anymore. I have Disney Plus now, which, by the way, 
I love the back, like the library, obviously for my children. However, the original content is not ideal, and if I didn't have kids, I'd cancel it already. Wow, I do um, like I'm the Mandala. A... I like the Mandala Pactopus or whatever <laughs> it's called. That show called with Baby Yoda. I like that show, even though I don't like Star Wars in general. Oh my gosh, The Mandalorian. So I actually really want to watch it, but I too am not a Star Wars person. It's not Star Wars. Having... It's pretty good. But it, Yoda's in it, and it's part of the Star Wars universe. No, not. But to it's give, not. Like, it's not, Yo- it's not Yoda though. This this takes place after the Empire. Listen, I don't know the timeline at all. It's Oberyn. But... Oh, it's about Oberyn. Oberyn Martell, right? I don't know what that from is. Game of Thrones. Oberyn. Oh yeah, he's the he's the he's the Mandalactopus. Yikes. Okay, cool. I am going to eventually watch all the Star Wars things so I can watch The Mandalorian. I don't think I've watched a Star Wars movie since Episode 1 came out. So, like, when I was a kid, I saw all those movies. Then the new ones came out when we were in, like, I don't know, middle schoolish age. And I thought they were kind of trash, so I kind of left the franchise. I hear they're good movies. I don't know why we're giving Star Wars free pub. They don't sponsor us. Disney doesn't pay us a penny. Plus, it's not even the best I... space soap opera out there. Mass Effect, the video game trilogy, is better. Star Trek is wow. better. Battlestar Galactica is better. Stargate are these, Universe. Are is these better. hot takes? Are these um, hot takes or are these? I bl- I'm sure they're hot takes. Like, listen, the Mass Mass Effect trilogy one, it's a video game, so I'm sure that's considered right. a hot take. But I, in my my own fandom, and I do like space operas. Like I do, um, like I like the Expanse, which is coming back to Amazon in December. Um, I don't so is think... that a thing? Space opera? Like, what does that mean? I need like, more like, definition like, on space opera. Basically, like, is anybody uh, listening anymore? Did we lose them by talking about space operas? <laughs> Listen, we haven't recorded a podcast in months. I don't know how many listeners we're going to even have. Um, I just It's just stories that take place in space that are science fiction heavy. Uh, I think Star Wars... Sing? No. Why is it an opera? I need to know more. I don't know. Maybe a poor choice of words. All right, a space. I drama. ask you to expand on the worst things in the world, and <laughs> it's why we have been doing podcasts the way we have for as long as we have, for as few people as we have. All right, sorry. No, no. Listen, this is very important, though. I do want to say about Star Wars why I don't personally like it is they're very long, and a lot of the dialogue is so unnecessary. It's like they just want to introduce fancy looking graphics and to do so they seem to take these very long dialogue walks so they could do so it has nothing to do with the stories wow shots fired well that's but that's why i like the mandalorian because the dialogue is not like that while it is in the star wars universe john fairview is that how you pronounce his name fair john fairview john favreau favreau yeah he directs it say brett Favre. how do you say brett Favre? brett Favre. um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he he clearly is he's come he comes from the marvel universe and he even though that also does a lot of the long walks to do these things but like yeah. he's clearly trying to tighten up the universe here like where you're not getting you know 30 minutes of one specific thing like i don't need a 30 minute action sequence do you know what i mean i don't that's just too long i don't need 30 minutes of dialogue to get me to point a to point b just if the dialogue could happen and it's 10 minutes that's a little bit better for me that makes sense. I can understand where you're coming from. My phone alarm is going off in a different room, so we're mobily recording this. Mobily, um, we're on the move. I'm Live. on the move, baby. I'm on the move. Yeah, man. Um, well, that's cool. So, Joe, you and I were supposed to record our last podcast probably in like July or August, and uh, it's now November. So, I guess we have a lot of things to catch up on, but we're not going to talk about the things that have transpired since then because we're even not know what we would talk about a lot of things to catch up on but we're not we're just gonna pretend like yeah, we're, we're a beat 
Exactly. So we're going to jump right into today's news, and today's news is going to be yesterday's news or three days ago's news by the time you're all listening to this. And by you all, I mean maybe Trey or whoever else might listen to us, whatever we have left. Right. Shout out to Nick, man. Nick is doing great in life. Um, shout Apo- out to everybody. We apologize, Amir and Fader, who we were going to have as our next guest, and then we vanished for three months. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm doing a great job at this. We have somebody like Mirren who's like an actual superstar who for some reason has interest in speaking to us. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't have time for you. You're, she you're reached important. Out you to travel us around after, the world. She reached back out to us. She's like, are we going to do this podcast? Like, I'm looking forward to it. And we're like, nah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I could carve 45 minutes out of my busy, not important schedule to do this. For this future um, Nobel Prize winning writer. She, Yes, Nobel. She's going to win something. She's winning stuff. She's winning at life. Shout out what? Shout out to everybody who's doing great and still likes us for whatever reason they like us. So our moms, I thought you were going to speak, but instead... I had, I had, a, I had so. a gulp of Arizona iced tea in my mouth Arizona while wearing an Ed Hardy t-shirt. I'm not wearing an Ed Hardy t-shirt. You are t-shirt. not wearing an Ed Hardy I'm t-shirt. Um, do you own an Ed Hardy t-shirt? Have you ever owned an Ed no, Hardy t-shirt? No. Did you have one. a Von Dutch hat? You had a Von Dutch hat. A fake I don't Von know what Dutch a Von Dutch hat, hat is. Is that the fake trucker hats? They were trucker hats. I feel like I saw somebody wearing one recently. It, it seems like something Ennis Cantor probably wears. Yeah, he saw, like, you know, Ashton Kutcher in 2001 wear one. So now he's rocking it 18 years later. <laughs> yeah, we, we we got there. I don't know how. But now let's get back to sports because I guess we have to talk about sports. Even though I've considered us doing this podcast and not talking about sports at all. But whatever. It's basically going website, to be that podcast. It's going to be that podcast. Like, one, any of you networks out there, Blue Wire, um, I don't know who else does podcasting networks, <laughs> um, wants a very all-over-the-place podcast that is probably going to be more spot, pop, pop, ah, I was almost going to call it sports culture, sports culture, pop culture, than sports. So what the hell are you talking about, I don't man? Get know. It out. I don't know. Get it out. You're Do you know great. on my desk, I, I have a, a frame and it says Top Dad, but it looks like the Top Gun logo. <laughs> it's amazing. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for that. I thought I could sneak in a quick sip of coffee and then you go talking about Top Gun Dad. It makes me uh, forget it. All right, Joe. Let's talk about sports. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess. So we have to. So the funny thing, I mean, look, I don't really work in sports and not really. I don't work in sports in any single capacity. I haven't written anything in like a year and a half. Me talking to you is like the most sportsy I am. That and losing money in fantasy football. I mean, I still obviously have a love for basketball. It is my favorite thing in the world. Even if the NBA is kind of going through it this year and the Knicks are going through it my entire life. Um, I did find it really interesting that news... I don't want to say broke because I think that this story started to come out a little bit over the summer, but news broke over the last couple of days about the NBA uh, rethinking their schedule and their approach to a full regular season. Zach Lowe and Adrian Wojnarowski, those ESPNers, reported that the NBA is working with its broadcast partners in the Players Union to radically change the league calendar starting potentially in 2021-22 by adding an early season tournament playing games in the spring, and an overall reduction in games during the regular season. Um, I don't know how that all works out. You know, we always talk about how the NFL 
plays too many games and guys get killed and the preseason needs to go. And then at the end of the day, they talk about the NFL adding to an 18-game regular season instead of 17-game because at the end of the day, guys don't want to take a pay cut. They don't want less games. The owners don't want less games. They want more money, not less money. And when you do something like this, you are cutting potential to add more revenue. Uh, obviously, you know, with this conversation, the NBA is talking about the season tournament, the early season tournament, which I guess winds up adding games. So some teams are still going to be playing 82 or 83 games. Some teams are going to potentially be playing 78 or 79 games. I don't really get it, but I think it's interesting that this conversation, it really revolves around a couple things. Number one is load management, which I don't know how much you want to get into this, Joe. I don't want to say it's watering down the league, but when you have a season, as long as the NBA has, it's not realistic to think that, you know, your best players are going to make it through 82 games and then still have juice for the playoffs. And after seeing what happened last season with Kawhi looking fresh in the playoffs until the finals when he sputtered out, but the Warriors didn't have anybody to put on the court, you know, it, it, it makes sense to want these guys to play less games, to take more time off, to manage, you know, their bodies in a way that we didn't do in years past, but it doesn't mean it's wrong to start doing now. If anything, I think you know, looking at science, it makes a lot of sense to start doing now. Uh, so this revolves around load management for one. Uh, for two, it revolves around tanking and wanting to give teams, you know, more opportunities to play meaningful games. Uh, it revolves around a third thing, but that thought has escaped my brain. So I'm going <laughs> to pass the mic to you and ask you what, what you think about these potential changes. Well, I mean, one, it's going to be bargaining chips, right? With like the National Basketball Players Players Association or whatever. Um you know, for collective bargaining agreement. I said the same thing, like, twice. Um, but, you yeah, like, the reduction of 82 games to 78, but then also doing that tournament thing. So they're not really reducing any games. You're just repackaging how we view them. Um, and then they're also going to have to make us care about that that tournament, that those, I guess, those play-in games. For the I don't play. think that'll be as difficult because you're taking teams who suck and have nothing to play for, and potentially they're going to play more competitive games. I would think it might make more sense to do it later in the season than earlier in the season, though, but I'm sorry. Right, because then, like, what there. if one of those teams win? Like, do they have any incentive to try after? Um, right, so that's, that's the cool thing about the playing games for the playoffs, where you're taking, I think, seeds 7 through 10, and you're making those teams kind of play to get into the playoffs. And then maybe one of them, you know, catches lightning in a bottle, and they have a playoff run, I would still bet against that. Right, but like, you know, like say the 10 seed in theory is like a young team that, you know, wasn't really ready for the playoffs traditionally, but all of a sudden they get hot and they get to play their way in. And then you get to see that team full of young players or whatever get in. Um, for me, I always view the NBA like this. There's just so many games that the level of urgency is so low, you know, night to night, even though the product is, you know, generally really good when everybody isn't resting, that... It's hard to invest, you know, night after night after night for me. Um, at the same time, it does allow me, uh, somebody that consumes college basketball more because of work, to not ha like, you know, be able to casually fly in every three or four nights and not feel like I missed anything because there is no lack of urgency. It's almost like a like a daytime TV, like General Hospital or Days of Lights. So you could go like a week without watching it and then watch it again and know exactly what's happening because there's no urgency because it just happens so often. So while I don't like the lack of urge, like I do think there's a lack of urgency in the NBA because how long the schedule is. And I don't think this really changes outside of fringe playoff teams 
which is probably good for those specific fan bases in those specific years, um, it doesn't really matter to me. But it doesn't make me hate it, and it doesn't make me like it more. I'm just indifferent towards it, but I am happy the NBA is trying to figure something out. Sure, and the other thing that's mentioned in this is potentially reseeding the four conference finalists uh, kind of in a way so you don't have whatever craft you have in the East playing against whoever manages to escape the West. Uh, I kind of look at that as something that's a little dated at this point. Maybe it worked better during the Warriors-LeBron era where you had all these great teams out West, but if you looked at the playoffs last year in the East, I mean, you had Boston, Philly, uh, Milwaukee, and Toronto who all looked like great teams that had a chance at winning a championship. And, you know, to, to to reduce this down to, well, it's the Warriors versus everyone or it's the West versus whatever crap comes out of the East, as I just said, I don't know that it makes as much sense. But, I mean, it, it is pretty cool if you do wind up with more seasons like we had where it was the Warriors and the Spurs or the Warriors and the Rockets or, you know, even if you looked at the East last year and you had Toronto and Milwaukee and you said, well, the Warriors kind of look like shit and the Blazers at this point don't look like a real championship team, so maybe these two teams would be playing for something more meaningful. I, I don't know. I think it's cool that the NBA is thinking about doing things differently, that they try to be progressive and making it more interesting. I hope it's not just a freak out to ratings being down a little bit now. I mean, I think just looking at the way the NBA has changed over the last couple of years, how you went from the Warriors dominated, you didn't think anybody had a chance. LeBron dominated, you didn't think anybody outside of LeBron had a chance. And now it's like, oh, there's parity again. But I'm not interested. I only wanted to complain about the lack of parity before. But now that there is parity, it's only because guys aren't playing or there are injuries. It's like, you wanted this, here it is, but you don't actually want it. Um, right. So I, I do think it's interesting that the NBA is looking at these different things. But I don't think that they solve the bigger issues, which to the load management, to the you know fatigue of the regular season point, 16 teams out of 30 teams get into the playoffs. It means that like you don't need to watch until until June even or until May where you know you're down to these games that actually matter and there's so many regular season games that don't and I think that baseball is kind of the same way too like that's that's the interesting thing about football is you're playing once a week and every game kind of matters whereas you know in baseball teams can go on a run in August and they're hot for the playoffs and they wind up winning mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about baseball I don't mean to go there but no but you're not they're, wrong. They're, the the urgency of the schedule just isn't there because it's just such a long season in basketball right so if you care you care if you like basketball you're gonna watch basketball and if you don't if you need you know something gripping to really get you into a season then I don't know that this is gonna do it but good for the NBA I guess for for looking at alternative ways to do their schedule you know, I, I think it's funny that one of the main arguments against this that comes up is, but what about, you know, the all-time stats and being a leader historically? And it's like, who gives a shit about that? I mean, I think that that comes up again with baseball all the time when you talk about reducing the schedule. And then it's like, but then no one can break the home run record. And it's like, what does that even matter? Who cares? Like, you right. want to make this thing, you want to make this like thing more are... watchable and appetizing. Right. And people, like, invent stats. Like, not, like, I'm not talking about it. This is an, an anti-advanced stats thing. But, like, you'll see, like, ESPN tweet out, like, so-and-so is the first player to score 16 points on five shots while, you know, a twisted ankle and his mother was pregnant. Like they like yes. the stats don't like don't mean anything. You could put them in perspective if you want, but like I don't really care about that. Like for basketball, I under, I kind of get it for baseball for the purest, even though like so much of it is, is tainted because they won't recognize like the steroid era at all. 
um, which I think they made too big big a deal of. We're not doing baseball. Barry Bonds is the greatest athlete I ever see play any sport. <laughs> but um, like for basketball, like I just don't care. I just I want to be able to watch and recognize greatness, or just watch and have fun. But like it does mean more when there's more on the line. Do you know what I mean? So that's why like the NBA playoffs are fun. But even then, they're a little dragged out, like seven game series and all that stuff. I know they want the best teams to advance. And that's why they're not like five game series and all that stuff, or even three game series. But like the regular season's so long. Like so, you're a Knicks fan, and now like <laughs> you're waking up today, like you know November twenty fourth. Your season's over. You're already eyeballing Cole Anthony. <laughs> you have to go through this for like so many more months. And like what you end up doing is, you do it one of two ways. Like you talk yourselves into the weirdest way possible of why this is actually great because James Dolan is committed to whatever thing he's not actually committed to. Or, you know, like you're a little bit more of a realist and you're like, holy shit, I have 10 more months of this or however six more months of this. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but uh, it will be interesting to see how they do this moving forward. I, I hope they do it. Let's see them shake it up. I mean, what's happening now isn't working. I also don't necessarily think that this is going to be the end of tanking, the end of players sitting games out. I mean, I think an easier solution, and I, I think a lot of people talk about this, is kind of killing, you know, back-to-backs or not airing, you know, national games on the second night of back-to-backs if you're wor- really worried about guys playing. But either way, there have been enough smart teams that have rested their players, that have seen the dividends pay off when it matters, that I just don't think you're going to see guys really, I don't want to say taking the pride, but feeling the necessity of playing a full 82 game season or playing through injuries that you know they have the they have the comfort they have the luxury of being able to sit out and rest for um but it, again i think it's kind of just a, a little bit of an overreaction to the way things have been playing out lately joe you were hounding me to talk about the knicks today you really want to talk about the knicks I never want to talk about the Knicks anymore. People come up to me and say, hey, how's the team doing? What do you think? I saw a buddy last night who I haven't seen in a few years, and he sees me. The first thing he says is 33, and I'm able to put it together. He thinks the Knicks are going to somehow win 33 games this year because they are coming off like a two-game winning streak because that's what Knicks fans do is, oh, they beat Porzingis, so they don't suck, and then they come back and get smacked by the Cavs at home. Knicks fans going to Knicks fans. The Knicks are currently 4-12. and Who could have saw this coming? Uh, They lost to the Spurs last night, who were on a seven-game losing streak, I think. They look like the Knicks. They're 29th in offense. They're 20th in defense. Julius Randle is David Lee 2019. If the Knicks did the 2009 versus 2019 meme, it would be a picture of David Lee for 2009 and Julius Randle for 2019, and that they put up empty stats, they don't play any defense, and the team's going to suck despite them putting up potentially all-star numbers. I said it. I'm okay with it. Knicks are Nick and baby, but at least Frank Nilakina looks good. R.J. Barrett had a good time until he played 41 minutes in a blowout loss. Joe, as an outsider, talk to me about the Knicks. What do you want me to tell you? All right, so I have concerns. Um, let's, 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 let's blow past the whole Steve Mills throws Fizdale under the bus, maybe or maybe he didn't. Let's even blow past Dolan. Oh, he absolutely um, did. I know, but we're going to blow past all of the, like, the actual issues, right? Like James Dolan, actual issue. The culture that people pretend that's there, actual issue. Steve Mills, actual issue. David Fizdale, he, he is an actual issue that I want to touch on. Um... So he, you have these young pieces where you're trying to figure out, you should want to figure out who is actually worth building around for the future. 
But then Fizdale, at some point, probably earlier than that was reported, finds out that Stephen Mills is trying to kill him, that he's trying to get him fired. <laughs> so then Fizdale all of a sudden is like, I need to win games now, which comes at the expense of actually growing that culture they swear they want to have or they do have or whatever, where you should try to figure things out with Mitchell Robinson and Nilakina. And as oddly enough is how weirdly they use those two guys or not play Mitchell Robinson and favor Taj Gibson. And I like Taj Gibson and everything like that, but like they're not in a position to be winning. Taj Gibson is not a future part of your franchise. Taj Gibson is 900 years old. Um, but then they'll play RJ Barrett until he's like burnt out. Like we're not even like halfway through the season and he's logged like so many minutes and his style. Play, and you know, I, I am a big fan of RJ Barrett. I think he has a really high ceiling. I think he's shown how much better he is without that awful Duke spacing that they had in college. I think he's shown that at the very least, he's going to be a very good NBA player. Um, they're going to burn him out before he could actually help a good team. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no reason to be playing him. It's not only that he plays a lot of minutes, it's that Fizdale will play him when the game's out of hand. Like, he needs to be playing meaningful minutes, not like when there's like a 20-point gap in the other direction. Like, th those minutes aren't going to help R.J. Barrett grow. They're just going to add wear and tear to his legs. R.J. Barrett plays such a physical, attacking, energetic style of offense where that 41 minutes that you mentioned before, that's like 41 real minutes. Do you know what I mean? It's not like <laughs> he's, like, kind of lagging here and there and all that stuff. Like, it's – I'm concerned for R.J. Barrett. I don't understand why they don't use Mitchell Robinson more. Uh, the Kevin Knox stuff, I don't know. I don't think Kevin Knox is good. But I'd like to be able to find out a little bit more if they played him a little bit more. I want to watch the Knicks, and I want to watch the young core play together. I don't want to watch the Knicks and see Robinson, Nilakina, Knox staggered all over the place, Barrett beaten to the ground, uh, Taj Gibson getting tons of minutes, I don't mind Bobby Portis getting minutes. I the Julius Randle comparison because you mean, love Bobby Portis. <laughs> I do. That let's be fair. Um, I don't mind Julius Randle in a role like that on a good team. Um, they're not a good team though. So like the David Lee comparison is very good. I think Julius Randle, like assuming R.J. Barrett continues to develop and Mitchell Robinson, who he ends up being, is who I think he can be, which is a very very good player. Um, then Julius Randle works, but not right now. And they're just playing they're playing to win right now, despite not having a roster that could win right now, and it's at the detriment of long term growth. Well, I think opinion. this was no, I, I think that you're spot on, and I think that that was pretty apparent when they had the offseason that they had is sure, it doesn't look bad when you're signing all these guys to, you know, two year contracts with team options after the first year, and it looks like, hey, these are gonna be tryouts for a lot of players. Uh, you know, potentially you're trading them at the deadline, before the deadline, to try to bring back assets. You're doing this to remain flexible. It makes a level of sense outside of, well, if you're giving these guys tryouts, that means that they have to play. And if they have to play, that means your younger guys aren't playing as much. And you've already invested draft capital, whatever, and them, Julius Randle, you gave three years, 60-plus million dollars. So clearly you're serious about him potentially being a part of the long-term plans. You think he's a player who could factor into things. Um, it just, it it doesn't make sense. And they did it all under the guise of culture. These guys are going to teach our younger players how to win, but you're not winning. They're not good enough to teach the younger players how to win. And you can't, like, 
Fisdale's biggest problem, and this was going to be his problem coming into the season, is how do you balance out the rotation with young players who need an opportunity to play and improve and also to show you if they're worth investing in long term versus you're giving contracts to veterans who want to play, who you know you think can improve the culture by playing, by showing the young guys how to play winning basketball, what it means to be an NBA veteran. It's just it's a mishmash, and it doesn't it's not working out, which I mean everybody could have predicted. To your R.J. Barrett point, he's played 534 minutes, leads all rookies in minutes played. Second is Eric Pascal at 499 over the same amount of games. Then you look at a John Morant who's played 393 in two less games. So R.J. is averaging 33.4 minutes per game. Your next best again is Pascal at 31.2. He's playing more than any other rookie, and he's gonna burn out. Like to your point. His style of play is kind of bruising. You know, he really attacks the basket a lot. He's pretty strong, and he hasn't played these kind of minutes before. So I don't know what trying to, you know, throw this guy in constantly is going to to equate for them. He's looked a lot worse over the last couple weeks than he did at the beginning of the season. It's not encouraging. It is encouraging to see Frank Nilakina finally playing more minutes. I know that that's kind of come with Alfred Payton being hurt. Dennis Smith Jr. having a rough start to his season, but it's just it's organizational dysfunction from the top to the bottom. Not to sound like a broken record about it, but you know needing to kind of figure out the right rotation and the right way to balance playing your veterans and your young guys and developing them and seeing if you have a young core in place. It's not going so well, and then having you know your your GM come out and blame the coach or bash the coach or bash the way the team is playing ten games into the season. I don't know what kind of message that sends. It's very hard to feel good about anything they have going on this year, which would have been acceptable at the beginning of the season if you would have just kind of committed to that. Committing to this is very much another rebuilding year instead of doing the, yeah, we need to win now. We're surprised we're not winning more. How are you surprised you're not winning more? Your team stinks. Right, and that's what it comes down to. Like They have, I think they, when I say they, I do believe it's James Dolan, had this weird idea because it's New York that, Knicks fans won't accept a rebuild despite them, you know, the Knicks being bad for decades at this point. They should just, it's okay, like regardless of market size, to go, the smart way for us to do this is to build through the draft, to be young, to get guys experience, to feel, because like a lot of the time you won't figure out how good a Kevin Knox or whoever else is unless you play them enough to see that. And if you're going to be bad, you might as well be bad that way. Like, I'm not saying, like, they shouldn't have veterans on the roster because you need veterans on the roster to help the young guys adjust to being professionals. But at the same time, like, this idea that they're supposed to be winning now is absurd and based off nothing. Like, there's no evidence at all to suggest that they should be winning now. Fizdale was brought in for specific reasons. And he's, listen, I do think he's, an okay coach that was overrated that gets a lot of benefit of the doubt from media. I think he's had he's done some questionable things. The thing is then, is he doing questionable things because he's feeling pressure or is he just an overrated coach and all these other things. But like the the idea here instead of having these leaks come out that, you know, Mills wants Fizdale gone and Dolan's visiting Fizdale at times and they're get reassuring him about his job security. Like all these stories that make the Knicks look so bad and a part part of the reason why free agents refuse to go there they should just be quiet shut up let the season play out hopefully get Cole Anthony or Nico Mannion or somebody like that in the draft you have RJ Barrett you should be grooming Mitchell Robinson and grooming Kevin Knox and just go about it that way like there's no like 
I just don't understand this constant need to be like, all right, we're going to do all these things to gear up for free agency or like, which hasn't ever worked outside of the Carmelo Anthony thing, which wasn't really free agency. And it cost the Knicks a ton. And Carmelo was a dude that very, very much wanted to be on the Knicks for a very specific reason. And then it hurt (laughs) them anyway. Do you know what I mean? So like it's, it's obviously, it obviously starts with James Dolan. Like, and the fix is he needs to leave, but he's not leaving because he owns the team. So the next fix is somebody not being a yes man or trying to protect their own job security and being like, like I don't expect David Fisdale to be this person because it's unfair of an ask out of somebody that's fighting for their job. But like the smart thing to do here is to be like, here's all my guys that are young that we need to figure out for the long-term future of the New York Knicks. They need to get minutes. And he's in a position where he can't do that because it's going to cost him his job when he does it because they're going to lose by even wider margins. So this expectation that the Knicks put on themselves, that nobody else on the outside would have put on them, that they were supposed to be winning, is going to cost people their jobs and make them look like a joke again. And they did it to themselves. They do it to themselves constantly. Knicks nicking. Um, and I don't want to like reduce it to that, but it just kind of it was very evident that this was the way that this was trending. Um, the, the Knicks are nicking. We'll get back to it. I'm sure it's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, very little, you know, to say about this. That's good. Players are going to get upset very soon. It's going to turn into a shit show. Do you think Fizdale makes it through the season? Uh, I don't know if he may. if if he does, he's done at the end of the season. I mean, uh that's. That sounds about fair, and I think he has not looked like a great coach in any sense of being a great coach, but he you. is also not put in a place to be successful. No one on the Knicks it's both. ever is. It's both. It's both those things. Fizdale probably came in overrated, and then he was put in a weird spot to not do well, and then he's also done poorly on his own. Well, you just you never know what the Knicks' intentions are. Is Fizdale brought in because he's a player's coach, and you think he's going to help attract the free agents, or is he brought in to develop the young players because he's a guy that young players relate to? I, I just don't know when it felt like it was supposed to be the latter, right? Like I remember like reading this thing about how he helped Mike Conley become this great pick and roll player and all these other things and develop his game and how that could help Nil Aquina. And then like, he was like anti Nil Aquina for what it felt like. Forever. Well, I mean, he developed, he developed Emmanuel Moutier. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming live from the corner store. I'm a Commodore. Rock a badge of honor while y'all talking who accomplished more. Out in DR like letters on a doctor's door. Your pocket's sore. You not as raw. So knock it off. Let's pivot. Let's take this from my realm of the Knicks to your realm of college basketball where really the the big talking point, we're not going to do any kind of X's and O's because I have not watched any college basketball outside of Duke's opening night. Um... The big thing going going on this past week, even all season, has been around James Wiseman, who obviously is one of the top, you know, draft prospects, whether it's because he is a giant man with you know, who's very athletic or he's a very good basketball player, still remains to be seen if we will see it. Uh, Wiseman, the Memphis freshman, has been suspended 12 games. He was suspended at the beginning of the season two by the NCAA and will be eligible to play on January twelfth. Uh, this, he has another 10 games of this suspension to serve. I don't know. He's out for a while. The interesting part about this is that he also has to pay $11,500 to a charity of his choice because that is the amount that his mother accepted from Penny Hardaway, who was not the coach of Memphis at the time. Um, Joe, talk me through this. What the hell is going on? 
how is a college player who doesn't make any money supposed to be donating $11,500 to a charity? Is Weissman going to play this season? How how fucked is all of this? Many fucks. Um, so let, <laughs> let, 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 let's start with some facts, right? So they originally deemed Weisman, the NCAA deemed him eligible in May. And then they went out of their way to make Penny a booster, right? So they went back to a time well before any idea of him ever becoming a Memphis Tigers coach. He donated a million dollars to the school because that's where he went to college. Then Penny started becoming, you know, involved in the AAU circuit. He uses money pretty freely to help people get involved, including players and families. James Wiseman's sister lived in the area. He gave, without James Wiseman's, Wiseman's knowledge, he gave Wiseman's mother money to move to Memphis to be closer to the sister. Penny was still yet to be the Memphis Tigers coach, nor was there any idea that he was going to be the Memphis Tigers coach at the time. If anything, that part sh- should be looked at as AAU shenanigans, uh, which happens all the time. The part that you focused on, which most of the people haven't, which is the laughable, laughable part, is they find an unpaid laborer by like dressing it up as donating money to a charity of his choice, but using the word must to be eligible. That's a fine. He doesn't get paid. Like, where's this? The the reason why he's in this trouble in the first place is because his family couldn't afford the $11,500 to make the move. And now you're going to fine him $11,500. And this, the number they're, they're obviously choosing it from that, amount given from Penny to Wiseman's family, but like they're only going that route because they also know Wiseman's future earnings are there to do it and they'll set it up in a way where he can make payments until he hits the NBA. It's just absurd to me that they're finding an unpaid an unpaid laborer. Like just absurd. Furthermore, I believe if this was any other program and if Penny wasn't so you know, like I don't want to say rebellious because he's not rebellious, but like so, you know, like he wants all the smoke and he's not afraid to talk shit. He's almost like a, a, a wrestling manager, like a pro Penny wrestling is? Manager. Yeah, he talks a lot of shit. And, and he's fun. It's great. This is what makes Memphis fun. Um, I think if he wasn't making this that much fun and that much noise in Memphis, this is probably a non-story because it really looks like the NCAA went out of its way to make Penny a booster um, so they could do this. Furthermore, as it's now being reported recently, um, because they played Wiseman the two games, uh, because the NCAA prefers a potentially ineligible player, because that's all he was at the time, to not play. Right. Um, they look at that as like some kind of slap at the face. So now they're going to go after Memphis further, um, try to target them for increased penalties, mostly because the NCAA's feelings were hurt that Memphis didn't immediately bow down to them when they told them, hey, like this guy's probably ineligible. And instead, Memphis, well, Wiseman, got the restraining order put out against Memphis, which, by the way, to my knowledge, the only other person to ever do, do that was Jerry Tarkanian, who had a restraining order against the NCAA for 20 fucking years. Tark, man. Tark knew. It's it's just crazy to me. Like, say what you will about the suspensions and, you know, the NCAA sanctions on accepting money so you can live, but the, the fine is just... I don't even understand it. I can't even come close to comprehending how I don't want to call them hypocritical. I don't know if it's hypocritical. Hypocritical. It's just asinine. And I don't even I don't know if James Wiseman should play another game under those circumstances. If he should really be paying a fine, or if he should just tell them to go fuck themselves and he will get his money next year and play professional basketball. Because so I I don't mean to shit on him here, 
Is it feasible, you know better than I do, if he does not play another game, that he still has a better draft stock than if he does play through the rest of the season? Or do you think this is a guy who has much to gain by playing college basketball this season? I mean, he he's, so he's like not a surefire top one or two pick. There, there was questions about him being overhyped, and then a lot of people jumped on that bandwagon. Then he got to Memphis, and then a lot of people, like before games even started, um, started to say like, oh no, he developed a lot over that course of the summer where maybe all that hype is deserved. Um, so he does have room to gain here because he's not like a consensus top two pick or anything. Like he was a dude that if he played really well and did a lot of things right, he could be a top two pick. If he played poorly, he could, you know, fall to like 12 or 13. If he doesn't play at all now, I can see him going to like that three to eight range. So like I know the, like that doesn't seem like li- like large variances, but like the difference between like the second pick overall and the ninth or tenth is pretty huge. So, sure. um, I do think but he ends can up he, playing. Can he boost his value to yes. get into that top two? I mean, yes. this it sort of seems like a year where there isn't a surefire number one or a surefire top. Cole three. Anthony feels like he's starting to entrench himself in that already. Um, I mean, I, I, I might be speaking out of my ass here, but Cole Anthony, the hype is real. He's very, very good. Depending what team, Knicks get the first pick i feel like he's almost a no-brainer to go i think there's like a lot of really good players that weren't aren't like great like you cannot project like superstar status on him like i think nico Mannion's like a really nice prospect but not like this surefire lock to be great sure um, and anthony edwards looks good but yeah, he may not he, be you know your generational wing who you and he's an isolation over heavy, you have. he's an isolation heavy player which doesn't really fit in today's nba um, wiseman even right his flies he's a traditional big man he's not spreading the floor he's not a unicorn He's an in-the-paint guy. Yeah, he's super athletic. He's closer to DeAndre Jordan, though, than he is to, like, Carl Anthony Towns or Chris Stops or anything like I that. I think you say the same about Vernon Carey, though, who's probably the other Vernon player Carey's not, class. but he's not He's not a real... I don't think anybody views him as a legit NBA prospect. Like, he's not somebody I would project to go in the lottery. He's right, but... So that's looking at the guy. guy, that's looking at the name brands who might potentially be in this conversation. I guess my point is, it hasn't been... Your, your consensus top of the draft has not quite been crafted yet, which is unique for this draft because I feel like, you know, more than a year and a half in advance, you kind of have an idea what every NBA draft is going to look like. And I think this year there's a little bit more up in the air than ever before, which I don't know if that works for the better or the worse for Wiseman. You know, I guess time will tell if he pays, if he pays and if he plays. I meant to say if he plays first, but if he pays and then ultimately if he winds up playing basketball again, which he will. I mean, he, he'll be back. How good is Memphis supposed to be this year? Very good. I had them going to the, before all this, I had them going to the Final Four, which is like a high expectation thing because, you know, they're freshman heavy. But they, they have like Precious Achua and a bunch of other guys that are like, you know, NBA level players. It's not just Wiseman. Wiseman was the name because he was the number one overall recruit and stuff. Um, they're going to provide, I do think Wiseman plays again. Uh, I think they'll navigate fine without him. And I think they run rough shot through the AAC um, because the American's bad. You kind of cannot wait to get back to the Big East. Um, but, yeah, they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be very good without him, then even better when he gets back. And I expect them to make noise in the NCAA tournament, provided the NCAA doesn't try to, you know, hammer home penalties quicker than they normally do. I don't want to continue this conversation at all, but is it feasible that they're going to do that? Like, I don't I don't understand. No, it's not, re- it's, it's, it's not realistic. Like, they, they can't put the timeline-wise. So, like, they're doing all these things. The NCAA, or... Memphis hasn't received the formal notice of allegations of any kind of tampering or recruiting violations. This is mostly going just against Wiseman. Um, 
like a, a similar things going against Oklahoma State right now, but it's because of like Brad Under not not because of Brad Underwood, but during Brad Underwood's tenure there, they got uh, a form notice of allegations, no notice of allegations level one, which is the highest level. Um, they're gonna you know plead it, and they're probably gonna win that case because it turns out to be one dude. But the process after the formal notice usually is four months. So, like, if anything was to happen sooner, like, any extra stuff outside this suspension was to happen sooner before the season is, is over, it'd be way, way, such an outlier. It'd be nuts. Got it. Joe, you have 15 seconds to say anything else you want about college basketball. Mike Anderson was the right hire for St. John's. Wow, three seconds. How is St. John's doing? You have 15 seconds on that. Uh, good. They like not great but they look good they're actually running an offense they look like they have a, a system in place and he's developing role guys which hasn't happened there since mike jarvis the evil mike jarvis you nailed it in 15 seconds all right i'm done giving you 15 seconds of time to talk about things that i don't know about let's do absurd <laughs> questions uh, absurd questions <laughs> he's been on such a break the absurd questions guy he uh, had to clear his throat mario is that who it is <laughs> mario I'm going first. Joe, if you could only consume one form of dairy for the rest of your life, what would it be? So that means if you could only have cheese or milk or ice cream or yogurt, one form of dairy, what's it going to be? I'll go first so that you can think about this. Thank you. Um, it was really hard to not say ice cream on this, but I could probably do with like your alternatives that are more of like, I don't know, an Italian ice or something that has sugar in it to make it like a a frosty treat you know like i could probably do even like the protein ones that are less dairy so i, I guess i have to say cheese just because cheese is in so many different things like if i say no cheese and i'm eating pizza without cheese for the rest of my life i can't have like a ravioli or a lasagna uh, i can't have a cheese platter uh i guess it's not that difficult of an answer for me i don't even love cheese like that like i'd probably be okay not having cheese um i just think in terms of getting the most bang for your buck are you Googling dairy to try to answer this? Like, what are you doing to prepare yourself? I'm not. Um, I was seeing if there was other any kind of dairy products that I wasn't aware of that I'll immediately regret not choosing. Um, for me, it is also cheese. Um, mostly, like, I like cheese on sandwiches. I like cheese on my pizza. And that's pretty much my reasoning. Uh, milk, I eat cereal. I don't drink milk by itself. Like, you I, could do the workarounds on this stuff, too, though. So, like, I could have almond milk. Almond milk isn't dairy. It's It's... But it's milk. You know what I mean? Like it, it does it. No, I'm with you here on this. Like I, I agree. I and I think cheat like I really like pizza's my favorite cheat. I'm dieting right now for those that care. Um good for you, man. Thank you, thank you. Um I know also congratulations to you for being under two hundred bucks now. Um, thanks, man. I'm I'm down like twenty five pounds. It's good. Looking sexy and sounding sexy. Um, you don't even know. I can't wait to see you naked later. Um <laughs> <laughs> but like with like i really like pizza it's my favorite cheat food and i cannot imagine eating pizza without cheese on it so like basically that it comes down to pizza for me right that i guess that wasn't a great absurd question i'm i'm sorry listeners who have been listening for 50 minutes and made it to this point and care a lot about our absurd questions yeah i mean that's that's really on you um yeah. i do have an absurd question for you though i sure hope so so if you could create one television or tv show universe similar to marvels right what one would it be and why i mean when you say create does that mean like, it, 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 it's already it's then... already based like yeah like um i this isn't my answer but i once talked to somebody about how if terminator was done right they could have a similar universe to marvels but they do it bad because 
the Termin- Terminator franchise ha- has been shit. I was going to say, Terminator's one of those things like Star Wars where I don't think I've watched anything that's come of it since Edward Terminator 2. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's like genuine. Like, I did not see the Christian Bale common movie. Um, I'm not going to see the new Terminator movie. I mean, I get it. You're probably more into that than I am. Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to take that question and not respond with, like, Game of Thrones. I'm interested to see what they do with the spinoffs. I mean, it looks like we're getting a Targaryen spinoff, which is pretty exciting. Uh, I also, Game of Thrones, like, is such an expansive universe already. And the eight seasons they had really kind of went all over the place. So I'm not totally sure, you know, where they could go and... and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say Game of Thrones for now, but I'll think about it while you give me your well-thought-out answer about a show that no one's going to give a shit about. No, it's a show people are going to give a shit about it. They're just going to say that it stinks now. And they're right. Um, and they're starting to do it, but they're doing it wrong. Um, it's The Walking Dead. Uh, so I understand most people bailed on the show and they don't think it's good anymore. I'm re-binge-watching the early seasons, which are still phenomenal. The show definitely took... It became overproduced. They got cheap in areas. They let Frank Darabont go, who was important and critical to the first season. Um, they have the Fear the Walking Dead spinoff, which they've already did a hard reset on by killing all the main characters in like two seasons. They're doing another <laughs> spinoff, which appears to be basically ripping off the CW's like teen lover science fiction stuff. Um, so I'm concerned about the direction they're going. Plus the three movies they're going to be doing with Rick Grimes. They're trying to do this walking dead universe thing um the issue is around season five or six of the main show and by season two of the first spinoff everybody became expert zombie killers and i get the idea of the show was that the main bad guys are really the humans and not the zombies um the issue is the zombies have become such an afterthought or the walking dead the biters the roamers whatever you want to call them have become such an afterthought it's basically just about people being dicks. And I really wish we could go back in time to like when the prison season was happening and kind of not make everybody like, you know, superheroes and being able to kill zombies very easily. Like there is a scene in, the, I'm, again, I'm rewatching the series uh, where Carol, who now could kill zomb- like 95 zombies in 12 seconds, went to kill one zombie. Her blade got stuck in the zombie's head. It took her like 10 seconds to get it out. It took somebody else to come save her. I wish that's the universe it was still like. But now everybody's like the Michael Jordan of zombie killing. More than anything else we've discussed on this show, I hope that somebody listened to what you just said and cared. I really do. Well, I really, really liked the first couple seasons. I think fear was a good idea that turned sour so much so that they really legitimately killed off every main character but one and did a, a hard reset and then made it goofy. Like now, like last season in the Fear Walking Dead, they had two different like musical segments. Like these things should be rooted closer in horror than they are in action and, or at least thriller and suspense. And they're not, they were early on and then they became this other thing. Also, even though they have good actors all over the place, they're doing a poor job of character development, like where you don't care about characters as much. It had so much potential and I blame AMC for making them do the 16 episode seasons, which they clearly didn't want to do in the beginning. The first season was six. I believe the second season was 10 or 12, just so they could do that mid-season finale thing, which isn't a real thing. They invented that. I feel like they just forced, they're forcing so much content without thinking. If they thought about this 
like Terminator franchise thought about this. Instead of chasing the money immediately while it's hot, if they planned this out in a way that was smart, they could be giving us... They could expand the universe like they want, but they could be doing so smartly, and they're just not. They're just... Okay, The Walking Dead's still hot enough, so spin-off. Still hot enough, spin-off. As ratings are declining, because all the products are getting worse and worse and watered down increasingly more. Damn, there you have it, man. That was hot. We should end on that, but first I would like to ask, did you think that Dan was ever going to come back to the show? I did not. (laughs) (laughs) I got pretty scared there, but I'm glad he's back. Mazel tov to that guy. The wedding seemed like a blast. Our invitations must have got lost in the mail. Yeah, Dan. I mean, we still love you. We still love you and and everybody else. And uh, The Dolphins Are Bad is the best song I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Uh, We had to pay homage to the show. Homage, homage, whatever. Yeah, we're obviously inspired by them. A shout out to Two Gods and a Goose God podcast, also inspired by Dan Levitard's show. Um, There's many of us now. Word, we word. might be the worst. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, might be. That, that was sweet of you. Uh, I don't have anything to plug, so just listen to whatever Joe says. And if you want to follow me for about five tweets a week, I'm at Hoops. I don't really talk about hoops a whole lot. I don't even know what the hell I talk <laughs> about anymore. But I am on Twitter, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, at Hoops. Joe, tell the good people where they can find you. Tell them about what you're working on. Plug yourself. Do, do what you do best. Sure. I'm on Twitter at Joseph Nerdone. I literally have two tweets right now. Um, I contribute to Forbes uh, or college basketball writing and just launched a newsletter that's also on my Twitter bio it's too long to plug here uh, follow along ooh, ooh. all around me are familiar websites worn out clickbait worn out hot takes bright and early for the daily link Dumps. No one's clicking, no one's clicking Their page views are filling up their pockets But not for writers, not for writers Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow No tomorrow, no tomorrow and I kind of find it funny, I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad internet. Mad internet.